The economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com. And if you are not already a subscriber to The Athletic, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, we're another day closer to stepping back onto the 49ers practice field and actually getting to see this team play football in person. It feels like it's been five years since we've had a chance to do that. It's actually only been several months, but uh, as you all know, This year's been crazy. It's caused the days to go by really slow at times. But the 49ers will be putting on pads on Monday. That's when the real hitting will be starting at training camp. That really hasn't stopped the news from pouring in or the rumors from circulating. As we're recording this on Wednesday, this is just a few hours after a George Kittle rumor had come out that supposedly he and the 49ers had finalized their contract extension. However, that's not quite the case yet. Nothing is finalized. The 49ers and George Kittle camp are making progress but uh matt do you think that we're going to see something finalized before those full contact padded practices start because obviously those start presenting a much bigger risk to kittle who currently is playing for only 2.1 million dollars in 2020 yeah that's a natural flex point for that to happen i mean kittle's been the the good soldier throughout he's been participating in all the the zoom calls and he's been doing all of the sort of the warm-up stuff that has begun training camp. But you're right, uh, the pads go on, on on Monday, and actually they're going to have some practices in shells on Saturday and Sunday. So that would be the, the natural time to get this done so that he's not putting himself at risk. And Dennis, from a, a player's perspective, you know, what's going through a player's mind when he knows that there's a contract being negotiated, he knows that there's a lot of money on the line, and uh, it's not quite done, and, and he's going through these practices where, as we all know, there is a risk of, uh, of major injury. I think as a player, I mean, you communicate with your agent. You, you kind of know what the numbers are. You, you know kind of where you stand with the team, and it sounds like they've got something. It's not on paper yet, but I think they've kind of agreed on maybe some numbers. And, you know, as a player, you worried about getting injured, but I don't think that you really go out and you, you practice you know, cautious, like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't hit today because my contract's not done. So, and then you look at a guy like George Kittle. I mean, he's not that guy. He's not, he's not their prima donna mode. He's a guy, he's more of like a beast mode. I mean, he wants to go out there. He wants to get better. He wants to, you know, teach the young guys. He wants to be part of this offense, be part of the team. But I guarantee he knows the numbers. If nothing else, you know, he's got a little extra, extra kick in his step now because he knows that he's about to get paid and he deserves it. You know, he's worked hard. You know, he's been the workhorse. He's been the, the the big play guy on this offense. So he's feeling good. He's feeling probably secure with this team, and, and they're going to show it. You know, once we get the numbers, our minds are going to be blown. You talk about $2 million in the NFL for a tight end of his caliber. That's not very much. But I think after you see what he's going to get at this contract, we're all going to be like, wow. So, you know, I, I don't think he takes any anything off at practice. I think he practices the same way. But, but again, he knows – 
that the 49ers like him, and, and I'm sure he knows the numbers. He's feeling good. Those numbers, by the way, quick refresher if you're at home. Uh, don't do this if you're driving, but uh, if you have access to a notepad, pen, and paper, write these down because these are going to be really important within the next few days if this contract does indeed get finalized. The parameters are anything between the, the highest tight end deal, which is Austin Hooper's right now, and the highest wide receivers deal, which is Julio Jones's contract right now. So write it down. Austin Hooper's making $10.5 million per year. Julio Jones is making $22 million per year. When the George Kittle news does finally come, that's going to be the story. Where on the scale of 10.5 to 22 million does he land? I, I personally think anything over 15 million would be a huge win for George Kittle's side, considering the fact that the salary cap is likely to shrink by a lot next year. And uh, the 49ers just don't have as much flexibility to pay him that much over tight end market value. But we'll see where it ends up. Another thing to keep an eye out on is fully guaranteed money. Austin Hooper, the top tight end, $18.5 million right now. Julio Jones, $64 million in fully guaranteed money. So uh, George Kittle's representation is negotiating both that annual average value and the fully guaranteed money. In the second column, I think anything over $35 million, which would be uh, equivalent to you know what Michael Thomas with the Saints has right now, uh, would really knock people's socks off. That would you know either way, George Kittle's going to reset what the standard for tight ends is, Matt. But uh, it's just about how far is he going to reset it, and if he resets it into you know the range of these really premier wide receivers like Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, in, in either one of the two categories, fully guaranteed money or annual average value, then that's uh, when we're really going to be looking at this with our eyes popping. This wouldn't be uh, totally unprecedented for them. I think you noted it back in 2017 when they signed Kyle Juszczyk. That was a tough sign for them. There were other teams uh, bidding for his services, and they ended up paying a lot more than they thought they might for a fullback. And uh, I remember that initial press conference that uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch had, and uh, that was the one where they, they sort of admitted to that, but uh, they concluded that Kyle Juszczyk was worth it, and that that's when uh, Lynch de- uh, defined him as an OW, an offensive weapon. Um, and, you know, uh, Kittle is the same way. Uh, you know, we, we talk about him being a tight end. The beauty of the Shanahan system, what the 49ers have done, the last couple of years is that they've done things differently than than tradition, or at least most teams do on offense, and they use the fullback, and they really use their tight ends, and and that way um, it's justified, and it's in keeping with uh, with what they've done. And uh, I know when they hit the field, I, I was watching Hard Knocks the other night. I don't know, Dennis, if you saw it, but it's got the Chargers and the Rams, and, and one of the, the storylines was Joey Bosa's big deal that he signed, and once he got on the field, he, he he was getting it from he was getting congratulations, and he's also getting <laughs> a lot of ribbing from his teammates because that was a huge deal that Joey Bosa signed. I was wondering if you were ever sort of in that position where a guy came in with a brand new contract and everybody's uh, suddenly asking him for a loan. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, I I was with the team when you know when Jerry Jerry signed one of his big deals and, you know, Kevin Fagan having one of these big deals. I can remember when Jerry was kind of negotiating his new deal, everyone was giving him so much crap. The day that he signed, he had a Brinks truck kind of come, you know, it wasn't a Brinks truck, but it, he had a truck and it had Brinks, you know, Brinks truck full of money 
uh, pull up at the practice field and kind of dump off a bunch of, you know, phony bags of money. So, you know, it, it's tongue in cheek, but, you know, that's that's kind of razzing you get in, in the locker room. And usually when you're razzing a guy about his contract, you're really jealous. So, you know, you're like, dang it, I wish I could have made that kind of money. So we were always giving Kevin Fagan. Kevin Fagan had a couple of big deals. Pierce Holt had a couple of big deals. Uh, and we always kind of razzed him a little bit. But it's all over. It's all jealousy. You're, you're, you're envious that these, these folks are going to make this money. And, you know, the money back in the 90s wasn't what these guys are making now. And what's great about it is there's a lot of guaranteed money. And, you know, these guys, you know, actually have an opportunity to save some of that money, put some of that money in the bank and invest it to kind of build your legacy. So I, I love when I see, you know, guys who have guaranteed money because NFL for a long time, nothing was guaranteed. So, you know, big contracts, you get hurt, that contract is gone. So it's it's always great to see, you know, guys get some guaranteed money and, and, and the opportunity to go out and play uh, and knowing you've, you know, you've got some money in the bank. So again, it's all being jealous and being envious. And, you know, when I see George Kittle money, I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm going to be the same way, kind of like, whoa, you know, how, what are you going to do with all that money? You know, anytime he does anything on the field, it's going to be, you know, his pockets are too heavy right now because they're full of money. Let's pause to tell you about Manscaped. Fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and the bushes must be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Get 20% off and free shipping code with the code ATHLETIC20. Once again, the ATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and you can use the code THEATHLETIC20. And the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Brief come with it. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. I'd be really interested, going back to Matt's point, to know what the second leading offer for Kyle Juszczyk services was back in 2017, because that would tell us a lot about the 49ers' way of thinking about these multiple offensive weapons, right? Kyle Juszczyk's contract was worth $21 million total. At the time, there hadn't been a fullback contract worth ten more than $10 million. So the 49ers more than doubled that to make sure that Kyle Juszczyk signed with them when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch first joined. Obviously, the, there were other suitors that probably drove the price up, but the, you would have to think, based on the previous high watermark before Juszczyk, that the 49ers went way above it. You have to think that uh, it's very likely that they, they paid a little bit of a premium, not just because they wanted to reset the positional market, but they went above and beyond that because they saw Juszczyk as a, a staple in Shanahan's offensive scheme, a guy who would play in the slot, who would play tight end. I mean, he even took 31 snaps last year as an outside wide receiver. So uh, the same principle, you know, theoretically applies to George Kittle, right, as Matt was saying. This is a player who is way more than just a tight end. He was the most efficient receiver uh, amongst all guys, all, even wideouts last year. Um, so do the 49ers approach this in the same way? And, you know, there's an added asterisk now with the smaller salary cap, uh, but do they also pay a little bit of an extra premium and transcend what that 
you know, positional benchmark is for tight ends. And I think that's the only way that you truly make George Kittle happy here. And I think that's what he deserves. Yeah. Big difference between 2017 and now is that the 49ers had tons of salary cap space back then and they don't now. And the the salary cap is, is shrinking probably next year. So it's a very different setting for them. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Dennis, you said something. I mean, uh, you said you talked about the jealousy factor. Do, do people ever think, I mean, the 49ers have so many guys coming up for free agency. Kyle Juszczyk is one of them. DJ Jones, Richard Sherman, Trent Williams, et cetera, et cetera. It's a long, long list. It's something like, it's something like 20 guys. Does it occur to people that, okay, if George Kittle is getting this huge deal, and the salary cap is going down next year, and these guys are already tapped out as far as the salary cap, that mean that I'm playing elsewhere, or I'm not going to get the big deal from this team that I think that I might deserve. Yeah, that's just the business of football. That's what you hate to see when teams spend a lot of money on maybe one player or two players. You know, some of the other players lose out. And, and I think that's something that, you know, Kyle and John Lynch will have to kind of figure out. I mean, the salary cap, like you said, is going to reduce next season you got a lot of guys coming up and you got a lot of premier guys that are important to your offense and defense so what happens you know sometimes you get lost in the numbers or the money game you know the business of football you know it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of approach that with you know, like you said so many guys coming up and in the NFL I mean you are paid by your performance and if you think you know the other team's gonna you know give you a better deal I mean, you have to make a business decision. So it happens on both ends. Guys hate taking pay cuts. You know, guys want to make the money that they need or they should make. So that was one of those things you just got to kind of sit down and, you know, talk with your family, talk with your agent and just kind of see if it's worth it. If you want to stick around, take a pay cut, or if you want to go and sign for a bigger deal somewhere else. So... Yeah, that's going to be a definite issue coming up. You got Jimmy Garoppolo with the big contract. Now you got George Kittle with a big contract. So, you know, you're going to be tapped out. and It's going to be hard to sign some of these guys. Let's take a quick time out to tell you about Fubo TV. There's a family plan where three people can watch at once. Standard base plan, two screens at once. 15% off first month and local broadcast. Tough times for a lot of folks, but if you want to save money, $50 is more affordable than other cable providers. Also, NBC Sports is included on the national feed. With NFL season around the corner, Fubo TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. Go to fubo.tv forward slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You will not regret it. That's fubo.tv forward slash athletic. Start your first month today. I think it's time to really take the lessons that we're seeing with this current situation and the impending salary cap and all this free agency that's going to happen this offseason and apply it to what we're expecting out of this year. And to me, guys, I'm getting a real sense of deadline pressure for this 49ers team. Now, I'm not saying that their window will close after this year. I think that in this NFL, the Patriots proved it for so many years. If you have a, a good quarterback, a good play caller, and you know savvy personnel people, you can continue to rotate guys through around that quarterback and around that play caller and stay competitive. But when you look at something like the 49ers secondary and the fact that Richard Sherman is a free agent after this year, Jaquaski Tart is a free agent after this year, Kwan Williams is a free agent after this year. You realize that reality will settle in, that the 49ers, especially with you know this cap crunch, won't be able to keep everybody. 
this group of 49ers, the one that gave fans so much joy in that run last year, going 13-3 and three in 2019, going all the way to the Super Bowl, this particular group of 49ers is still more or less together entering the 2020 season, and they're going to play together this year. But beyond that, I think that we're going to see pretty major changes around the very indispensable core of this team, which I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan are part of. And because of that, I do feel that there's a little bit of deadline pressure. And, you know, the the, the biggest examples probably in the secondary for this 49ers team. It was the second best secondary in all of football last year, Matt. Uh, if they can stack years now, if they can put another top-tier year on top of the one before, uh, this, and, and if they win a Super Bowl, th- this secondary is going to be remembered. Richard Sherman's going to be remembered as a guy who anchored two Super Bowl-winning secondaries with two separate franchises. But the thing is, it probably has to get done this year because you don't know what that salary cap and all these financial situations are, are, are going to pose as a challenge beyond that. One guy I'm eager to see uh, when the practices start Next week is uh, is Tim Harris, a um, a draft pick a year ago, uh, one of these big, you know, six foot one, two hundred some odd pound uh, cornerbacks that uh, this Seattle style defense has used, and he was looking good last year, and then he I think it was a, a groin injury that landed him on um, injured reserve, so he's basically signed for three more seasons. Emmanuel Mosley is still a young player who's on a cheap deal or will be next year. But there are not a lot of those guys in the secondary. I mean, the 49ers, we talked about this last time, John John Lynch, an ex-safety, hasn't drafted a lot of safeties. So there's not a lot of young guys in the pipeline in that secondary. So A, they're relying on guys who have been injured quite a bit in Joukowsky Tart and and Jimmy Ward. And B, they're veteran guys who uh, Ward already got his his extension this year. and, And Tart is looking for the same next year. Uh, my point is that, uh, you know, they're expensive too. So um, that's why, uh, you know, this, uh, this training camp will be interesting to see which of these young guys step up. And I'm, I'm sure the 49ers are going to really try hard to keep a lot of those guys throughout the season because they might be needed, as you noted, next year. Dennis, are there any uh, sort of younger guys that you've got your eye on and you're kind of eager to, to hear about uh, heading into this season. When you talk about the secondary, you mentioned, you know, Mosley's a guy that played really well. I guess it's still kind of out on Akello. He's shown some some flashes. I mean, he's a, he's a young guy, but you, you hit it on the head. I mean, when you talk about the secondary, there's a lot of young guys. And, and, and I'm sure Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are saying, we need these guys to kind of stand up and start, you know, kind of playing and making some plays and being the guy that's going to fit in there if you lose a guy like a Richard Sherman. K1 has, has played great. Marcel Harris is another guy that's in there. And Dante Johnson, I mean, he's a guy that kind of goes in and out, practice squad. They release him and bring him back. But in the preseason, he showed some flashes. And then there's still Jason Vernett is still in the mix, I believe. And, you know, he's a guy that's played at a super high caliber. So I just got to think that some of these young guys just have to start kind of showing up. And there's no preseason, so you got to hit the ground kind of running. So your practices, you know, you have to have to be crisp and you have to be on your assignments and show that you can play. You know, some of these young guys, you know, this is your opportunity. And it's hard to keep teams together. I mean, especially when you have, you know, some of these pr- premier guys, Jimmy Ward. I mean, he's a guy that's been around for he's he's the longest tenure on the team now. He's played well in early in his, his career, had a lot of injuries, had a great season last season. 
and Jaquaski is another guy. But these are longtime guys here, and you know they're the vets of the football team. They just need some of these young guys to kind of stand up. Tarvarius Moore, I mean, he's another guy that's played well. So I think they've got a lot of talent, you know, in that in that secondary uh, room. Some guys just need to stand up and, and kind of step up and kind of show themselves on tape. One guy that we haven't even mentioned is also in a quote-unquote contract year, Akella Witherspoon, right? This is yeah. his fourth season rookie deal. Does he get a semi-lucrative second contract or, or not? That's that's all going to be determined this year. I think Emmanuel Mosley clearly surpassed him on, on the depth chart last year, so uh, he's going to have to fight his way back. But as we've seen, an NFL season as long this one might be, you know, even more challenging to navigate as far as depth issues are concerned. So I think if you play well in practice this year, if you earn the trust of the coaching staff and training camp and during the week, chances are you're going to have a, a chance to contribute at some point during this season. Just look at the 49ers injury rate from the past couple of years. I mean, it's a it's a violent game, and now there's obviously another potential way to, to sideline players for at least a couple weeks. So uh, depth is going to be important. Opportunities will be there. And all these discussions that we're having right now, which we don't know the answer to, uh, I, I think uh, that will be clarified this year based on who steps up as Dennis said, moving forward. Now shifting to to another guy who has a chance to really step up and earn himself some more money this year. He's now officially playing on the minimum, the league minimum, but he did pocket a lot of money from the 49ers, even though he didn't play a single down for them over the past couple of years. It's uh, Jarek McKinnon, the running back. And the reviews, Matt, for Jarek McKinnon from this offseason have been rave. We've heard great things about him working out over at Trent Williams' gym, right? Over in Houston. He's really all over social media. You see his workouts. It looks like he's finally fully healthy after battling that really, really nagging knee injury after tearing up his knee in 2018. And this is a guy who we all remember looked really good throughout the offseason in 2018. I'm talking OTAs that in training camp. And now all the 49ers are talking about him being a perfect complementary piece to a dynamic multiple offense. Is it too early to to buy into the hype matter do you think that uh, this could be a real wild card for the 49ers that not a lot of people saw coming as soon as three months ago yeah I think people are are hesitant to embrace it because there were a couple instances last year where McKinnon went back out to practice and it didn't go well and he had to go back into rehab and, and basically start over but it's really different he had a, a different type of surgery after that kind of cleaned up a, a bone chip some other issues in the knee and I talked to him, I forget when, it may have been May, and he said he really didn't have any of the issues this year that he was suffering from last year, and he really felt confident in that knee. And you're right, it goes back to what we were just talking about, this being a non-traditional offense. Most offenses around the, the league are you know, built on their wide receivers nowadays. And you see that reflected in the huge salaries that they command. 49ers don't have that, certainly don't have that experience at the receiver level. And I just wonder whether Kyle Shanahan is going to sort of accept that this year and go with, you know, a different type of attack. Maybe one in which Jerick McKinnon and Tevin Coleman, for example, are on the, the field at the same time. They both start out in the backfield, but McKinnon kind of motions out and he lines up in the slot or even out wide. Shanahan, I think, is really intrigued by those matchups that he can create by having, like I said, a non-traditional personnel group 
in there and doing multiple things with it. So he's going to be really interesting to watch. Like I said, I think the fans are a little bit hesitant to embrace him, even though his teammates are. He's such a likable guy. I think that has a lot to do with it. The guy who really seems to have captured the imagination of the fans is Jalen Hurd, who also had to sit out last year. We got a very small glimpse of him against the Cowboys in last year's preseason. You know, people are really, really interested in in what he could do this year. People have said this is like a second draft. All the guys who were injured last year who are coming back this year. So, Dennis, the talent level could be, you know, fingers crossed, you never know with injuries, but the talent level could be a lot higher than it was a year ago. Yeah, and a guy like Jarek McKinnon, I mean, he is he is a guy that could add a whole different layer to this Kyle Shanahan and the way he calls. I mean, you know, the ability to line up in the backfield and then line outside or, or at a flanker position and just stretch a defense out, a secondary out. And I, I think when you combine, you know, his, his unique skill set and the way Kyle Shanahan kind of call an offense or, or put some of these misdirections and, and get guys in space, get guys open, guys uncovered, um, and keep defenses on their heels. I mean, I, I'm excited just to watch him play. He's, you know, he's got that open field speed. He, you get, get the ball to him in space, you know, he can go all the way to the house. Now, my only concern is, you know, his confidence. As a running back, your legs are what you need, and you have to have confidence of, you know, cutting, you know, maybe taking a shot, those kind of things. So I just, I wonder about his confidence, and I and I wonder if he's, you know, I, he feels good, but, you know, he's going to have to take a couple hits, and he's going to have to take a couple sharp cuts. You kind of see how he feels after that, but, I mean, you got to be excited when you think about what he can do and what he kind of brings to a Kyle Shanahan offense. And, you know, Jalen Hurd, what he did against, you know, the Cowboys, I guess it was a year ago. It seems so long ago, but, you know, he's a guy that could even be a tight end. I mean, he's a tight end. He's got his body. His body looks like a Delaney Walker, but he can also run the ball. And uh, he's got great hands. I think you're right. Folks are going to be surprised, again, with the way Kyle Shanahan uses some of these really unique skill sets that he has on the football field. And I think it's going to be hard to defend. It's going to be really hard to f- defend if, if these guys are you know, have recovered from their injuries and they've got the confidence to go out there and play. Here's a quick word from Indochino. Well, Mike McGlinch the other day said that Jalen Hurd was built in a lab. And <laughs> that actually added on to what a lot of the 49ers social media community I follow some of these accounts that compile all the news on on Instagram and Twitter they've been calling Jalen Hurd a cyborg for the last couple of weeks and they have all these crazy fan art where they have him looking like a robot and that's all the the fandom that they really like this idea of Jalen Hurd being this specimen that Kyle Shanahan can use at what six four six five Remember, I mean, the the mind-blowing thing to me is this guy was a power back in the SEC of all conferences. I mean, just bowling over people from the running back position. And then he became a receiver in the Big 12. So, I mean, if you think about Kyle Shanahan's dream player, a guy that Kyle Shanahan would actually build or and design in a lab, it would be somebody like Jalen Hurd, right? Somebody who could be a power back, an outside wide receiver, and a slot wide receiver, plus a tight end all at the same time. And I think 
that's what we're going to see. Guys, to, to finish, what you talk about confidence and Jarek McKinnon coming off the ACL tear. Well, there was related news on that front. The guy who tore his ACL very near to the time that uh, McKinnon tore his ACL in 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Juszczyk told us this week that uh, Garoppolo is no longer wearing his knee brace, which I think, Matt, is very, very significant news because if there's one thing that Garoppolo, you know, very clearly did not do as well last year as he did in 2017 when he played as the best quarterback in football for those five games, it was escaping rushes in, in a pretty acrobatic style. I talked about this on our most recent episode Jimmy Garoppolo was doing things that your standard statue in the pocket doesn't do to get away from pass rushes in 2017. Go back and watch the highlights. The proof is in the pudding if you watch the film. That, however, went away last year, Matt. But without the knee brace, assuming he keeps it off, uh, th- that might tell us that that he's fully psychologically over the ACL tear. And it may also allow him to uh, bring back that elusiveness that was such a big part of his game in 2017. Yeah. Although that elusiveness also led to the ACL injury too, so uh, I, I'm sure it's a you know a fine line that he and the 49ers are walking. I mean, Kyle Shanahan likes his quarterbacks to stay in the pocket, so I don't know. I, I kind of would would want him to keep that that brace on just to remind him. Hey, remember the last time you went running out of the pocket down the sideline? Didn't really end up well, and you know from all of his accounts last year, that brace was it's not the traditional big bulky you know, huge uh, plastic brace that you see linemen wearing. This was a, a, a graphite one. You, you, you hardly noticed it, and, and he said the same thing. So I wouldn't be too distraught if he was still wearing that. We'll have to see when the pads go on, but uh, I can also see why he would want to get rid of it as well. Uh, Dennis, do you have any, have any thoughts on uh, Jimmy's knee brace? My personal opinion, I think quarterbacks should wear knee braces kind of like offensive linemen if you're in the pocket and the pocket collapses you got bodies flying around everywhere if you got like a nice lightweight knee brace I don't see a problem with quarterbacks wearing two knee braces just look at these defensive linemen now I mean you got Nick Bosa coming off the edge and he is you know most defensive linemen I mean you're taught you're not aiming for the head I mean you can't aim for the head anymore you're aiming you're aiming for the lower body so I don't see anything wrong with quarterbacks. If you got something light, wear two knee braces. You know, protect your knees because you got bodies falling, you got offensive linemen falling back on you. You got defensive linemen trying to take your knees out. I think quarterbacks should wear uh, two knee braces. Well, then they might not be able to move at all, though. Somebody joked about that to Jimmy Garoppolo last year. They asked him, Are you going to wear one on both? And he's like, he just kind of chuckled and said, well, no, I have to be able to move a little bit to get away from the rush. I mean, I'm not advocating for him to be running downfield like he was in Kansas City, but he did spin out of a couple pass rushes. Um, Remember his first play for the 49ers or his first touchdown, for example, against Seattle. You guys remember that rainy game? It was, what, week 11 or 12 in 2017 where he comes in at the end for C.J. Beathard. Go back and pull up uh, this video if you're at home. And he really spins out of the pass rush, rolls to his left, fires the touchdown uh, to Lewis Murphy, of all people. I think that's a good example of a quarterback, you know, being able to actually escape a little danger, maybe prevent an injury that way. I think the 49ers definitely want to rein in the, you know, running like a madman down the sideline aspect of this. But at the same time, they want to make sure that nobody is, you know, delivering a helmet-to-helmet hit to Garoppolo in the pocket because he can't get away, because he's not too immobile. So I think it's going to come down to 
how comfortable he feels. Yeah. But at some point, uh, he's balancing increased elusiveness without the brace. He has said that before because no matter how light these things get, they are designed to prevent you from having full mobility. That's how they're effective, right? Just to stop the injury. Yeah. I think they should put them in a full airbag. So that there's no injury whatsoever. I think you're right. I mean, it, it's it's going to be comfort level. I mean, if, if he feels like he wants to, you know, be more mobile, you know, if he feels a little more constricted in a knee brace, there's a lot of lot of really lightweight uh, knee braces that you can kind of, or some type of protection because, I mean, you see these quarterbacks all the time taking those shots. I mean, you got defensive linemen, you know, they're, they're crawling on the ground just grabbing for an ankle. So... But again, you want a quarterback that can avoid the rush a little bit. I think in, in Kyle's offense, you want a quarterback that can kind of climb the pocket a little bit and find a play down the field. But I guess I just know the way D-line thinks. You know, you want to take out legs and you want to go after knees. So, But it comes down to him and what he feels comfortable in. Yeah, and I think that's the main point that Kyle Juszczyk shared. That's why he said it was significant to him that he wasn't wearing the brace is because he feels comfortable now that he's psychologically over that knee injury. So regardless of whether or not he puts it on for safety reasons, Kyle Juszczyk thinks that Jimmy Garoppolo has turned the mental corner of this injury. And and that could be the most significant factor of all. That's huge. That is huge. Yeah. And you guys are right. I mean, the braces are now made out of lightweight titanium, so they do impede your movement a little bit, but not as much as they used to. So we'll see how much Jimmy Garoppolo is comfortable with. We'll actually probably discuss that next week because we'll have seen a couple practices in person. So we'll see if he's wearing it with full pads or not. Next time that we talk to you guys, it will be after the 49ers have started practice and maybe after George Kittle's contract extension has been finalized. So make sure to tune in to Here's the Catch next week. For Dennis Brown and Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. Talk to you guys soon.